y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Today, we're actually, it says in the very beginning of this episode that we're ending uh, the Women Empowerment Series, but we're actually not. There's going to be one more episode. I decided to do the last episode um, with a celebrity, but this particular episode is about giving back, and it's about an initiative here in Wake County called the No Women, No Girl, and basically what it means is no woman or no girl in Wake County will ever be denied Everyday Essentials, and it's a campaign that they kicked off April 1st um, with the 360 Initiative, so I really hope that you really enjoy this conversation with the founder of No Women, No Girl, um, Trinetta Harrell, um, and we also mentioned Erica in this, in this podcast as well, and I will put in the show notes where you can listen to the interview with Erica, but you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to nighttime edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. We're going to end our Women's Empowerment, Women's History Month with an amazing, amazing um, organization that gives back to women and girls. But before we get started, I wanted to share a quote that I think kind of goes with what we're going to be talking about, Shanetta. And it says, I raise up my voice, not so that I can shout, but so that those without a voice can be heard. And it's by Malala. So don't you agree that this kind of goes with what we're talking about today? Absolutely. That's great. So before we get into your organization, tell us who Shrenetta is. Yeah, so absolutely. So um, good evening, everyone. Thank you again so much for this opportunity. Um, I truly love this work. I love um, the chats from the blog cabin. So I'm excited to be here um, this evening. Um, just a little bit about me. Um, my name is Shernetta Harrell. I am from a small town called Nashville, North Carolina, um, in Eastern North Carolina. Um, I grew up there. Um, I um, graduated from Shaw University. Um, a fun fact about me um, is I was actually Miss Shaw University. Um, I later went on to um, get my master's in social work degree from Alabama A&M University. Um, and you know, I've been a social worker for eight years now. Um, I've practiced, you know, in a lot of different um, settings, got a lot of professional observation and experience. Um, I love everything, home goods, shopping, and decorating my house. Um, <laughs> I am a wife, a mom, um, and I lead women's ministry. And you have an amazing organization. Now, let's talk about No Women, 
no woman, no girl. Let's talk about why you founded it because you founded it, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, like many women um, that I know, um, women were always, you know, we were once little girls. And I think that so many women have stories who have really shaped um, us and who we have become as women. Um, and for me, as a little girl, I was always bullied, um, you know, just by my big personality. Um, and, you know, I was just this happy-go-lucky person. Um, and because of those experiences, um, I really kind of fell, um, you know, low in my grades. You know, I wasn't, you know, really myself. Um, and I had really a lot of mentors and women who, you know, surrounded me uh, for me to be where I am today. So when I chose the profession of social work, um, I said, you know, how can I collide my gift of women's ministry and social work? What can I do? Um, and over the years, what I've really seen, um, you know, through just my professional work is I've seen women and girls who have hit rock bottom um, and they just don't have what they need to survive. And um, this is why the No Woman, No Girl initiative was founded. Um, we were founded under the premises um, that no woman and no girl should ever have to worry about. Um, everyday essentials and what they need to survive. Um, so just like you and I, you know, we got up this morning, you know, we used soap, we brushed our teeth, we combed our hair. Um, that is what we're looking to do for every single woman or girl um, in Wake County who is experiencing homelessness or crisis. So let's talk about the everyday essentials, because I know a lot of people don't know exactly what they are. So let's yeah. give us a list of those. Absolutely. So um, the whole premise of why um, we chose to do everyday essentials um, is because most, well, all women and girls who um, are recipients um, of the Women's Infants and Children's Program, um, or if they're receiving food nutrition services, which is WIC and EBT, as we would like to call it, um, unfortunately, um, federal and state funding does not provide um, additional funding for women and girls to actually purchase those items. So everyday essentials, um, what we define as everyday essentials are um, toothbrush, toothpaste, floss, soap, um, deodorant, lotion, shampoo, um, conditioner. Um, that is pretty much everything. Washcloths. Um, that is what we deem um, as that's what every woman and girl should have. Um, just basic necessities. Um, to survive. And so we supply um, a 90 day um, supply of everyday essentials. So how do the, how do you kind of find the people to give the things to find the women and the girls? Yeah, great question. So um, we partner with like-minded um, nonprofit organizations and everything for us is based on referral. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we're, women and girls are not just getting this one-time method of support. We want to make sure that, hey, once we give them 90 days supplies, um, we want to make sure that they have a continuum of service. So if a woman is already at a homeless shelter, if a girl finds her way in domestic violence, um, then, you know, that community um, partner will say, hey, guys, um, you know, I have a young lady here. I'm going to go ahead and submit a referral. What are the age limits? 
Um, so great question. So the thing about us is that there are no age limits. Um, we know that, um, you know, I know for myself, I don't know about you. I started my menstrual cycle when I was 10. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, for most women and girls, um, we have a pediatrician on my board, um, you know, and she said, you know, research, you know, is seeing now that, you know, a lot of girls are starting at, at eight, um, at eight or nine. So we go all the way from, you know, the start of a girl um, starting her menstrual all the way to a woman in her 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, you know, if you take a tour or if you go serve a volunteer at a homeless shelter, you will see elderly um, women um, there. So you've launching something happening on Saturday called the 360, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Operation 360 is actually our first ever donation campaign. And really the idea behind this is that for 60 days, we want the community to give um, in three different ways. So the first way is simply um, sharing our mission with someone else, which is free. That doesn't require a lot of time. Um, the second way is coming to um, drop off essentials if you're in the triad raleigh durham area um and you know we have a dropbox location that's listed on our website um and the third way is through our um startup fund um, we have a startup fund we have a goal um, of raising one thousand dollars um, to help us get off the ground so what exactly are you looking for as far as donations yeah. Um, so, you know, um, like any nonprofit organizations, you know, we have in-kind donations and we have, you know, monetary donations. Um, so, of course, um, in-kind donations are, you know, from our list of everyday essentials. Um, and then monetary donations um, is we're really just looking for uh, our goal to be met. So whatever people feel compelled um, to give, um, we certainly have directions online on how to do that. Yes, that, that's the next thing. Next question I was going to ask is if they wanted to, if they're listening from someplace else that's not local to the Raleigh Durham area, how could they donate? You know, is there a certain place on the website that they should look for? Absolutely. So tomorrow, um, under our donate tab, um, there will be um, a slot for the community to give. Um, we also have a um, Amazon wish list that will be posted for people who you know maybe want to purchase everyday essentials, but they're not in the local area. Um, so we want to have an Amazon wish list where people can still purchase um, everyday essentials, and they'll be shipped to us. Now, you said you're a social worker. Is that the reason why you're so passionate about helping women and girls? You know, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> um, so funny thing is, um, prior to me uh, choosing social work, I was actually, uh, I had a dream of being a news anchor. Um, and I studied journalism and mass communications. Um, and I got into that. I was like, no, you know, this is not, <laughs> you know, really what I um, you know, want to do. Um, then I switched over to English education, um, you know, majoring in journalism. Then I said, no, you know, social work is kind of my jam. Um, I would like to say that, you know, social work, so I would definitely say that, you know, social work was kind of the segue um, into why I'm so compassionate about women. But um, I come from a, a very long lineage of strong women who have faced adversity. Um, my mother is a cancer survivor and I have never seen her miss a beat. Um, so a lot of, you know, my compassion really stems from uh, my own experiences.
So let's delve into that a little bit, yeah. your own experiences, because I think when you look at a look at someone who starts a nonprofit, you have to look at how they were raised and if they were raised in a motion of giving back. So let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, can you repeat the question? Um, talking about your your motivation because that you know you said your mom had faced adversity. So having those role models when you were growing up, what that means to you, and what hopefully that'll bring to the girls and the women that are you you are helping. Yeah. So um, my mother um, is actually a cancer survivor, but more so my late grandmother. My late grandmother actually um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, she fought her battle for six years um, and later passed. Um, my, my grandmother, you know, coming from a small town of Nashville, North Carolina, um, you know, I would go into grocery stores and people would say, hey, are you Shirley's granddaughter? Um, you know, my grandmother was a nurse who gave so compassionately um, to everyone that she encountered. She never met a stranger. Um, and a lot of my upbringing, a lot of, you know, what I'm doing now, I, I kind of feel like I've kind of subconsciously um, have kind of adapted um, just, just having a servant's heart and really just being concerned about the basic welfare um, of women and girls. Um, you know, today I actually, um, you know, took myself to lunch and um, the way the waitress, I actually noticed that she just seemed um, just kind of down to me. And after getting to know her, um, you know, she later told me that she was a homeless um, college student um, mm -hmm. and that she had moved down here from New Jersey. Um, and, you know, she didn't have any food in her refrigerator and, you know, she didn't have a lot of money for the month of April. And that to me was such a although it's unfortunate that she is experiencing that, you know, I was able to kind of get on the phone, you know, call a couple of people, get her connected to some resources, but it further confirms um, why the work of the No Woman, No Girl initiative is so imperative and so important um, that we can't, homelessness doesn't have a stereotype. Mm -hmm. And while a lot of people think that it does, um, it does not. Homelessness now has an entire different meaning. Um, and COVID-19 has really um, exposed mm -hmm. that, that, you know, job loss and, you know, college students being misplaced. Um, a lot of the perplexities that were there, you know, pre-COVID really pushed people over the edge. Um, so that's kind of, you know, some of my experiences that have led me to be um, compassionate today. So let's talk about the plight of the homeless, because a lot of people think all the homeless people are like, People that are deadbeats, they don't want to pay, yeah. they don't want to work, they don't want to do this, they just want to be lazy and drug addicts and things like that. But yeah. they're not. They're basically people that are down on their luck. So let's talk about, you know, the stereotypes and then what we can do to get over those stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always like to tell people um, that, you know, everyone has a bias. Um, I have biases. And a lot of our biases are shaped off of our own personal experiences. Uh, we have um, subconscious things that we're biased about, and we have unconscious things that we're biased about. And um, what I like to let people know and educate people is that um, I've worked with people at my own job who have been homeless. And you will never know <laughs> that, you know, they didn't have a place to lay, you know, their head down at night. Um, so I always like to encourage people to do some internal work and really ask yourself, what are the things that I am biased about? What are the things that 
um, you know, maybe have shaped my opinions that have shaped, you know, when I'm driving down, you know, 440 and I see someone with a sign, you know, what immediately comes to my mind and where does that come from? Now, that, that brings me another question. Um, another thing, when you talk about seeing people with the signs. Now, I know a lot of people put together like blessing bag, bags, excuse me, that they leave in their car. And so then when they see a homeless person, they hand it to them. To me, I think that um, um, that means so much to them when somebody's actually thinking about them ahead of time. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that think, oh, I'm not going to give them money. I'm not going to buy them food because it's a scam. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to take a uh, faith uh, <laughs> segue to that. Um, you know, Jesus is very clear, um, you know, that, um, you know, we could be encountering him at any time. And I think, you know, again, this is why we have to kind of do some internal work within ourselves, um, because, you know, I'm sure and I, I've, I've worked with adults and students all the time who have scammed people. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's not about them. Right. It's about you and it's about what good faith effort are you putting forward? Um, and I know that that's the thing. Panhandling is a thing. Um, it is it, it is very prevalent, um, especially now. But even still, when we think about people um, who are deceptive, there's still a need there. Um, regardless if it's, you know, using substances, if it's using going to use money for whatever, there is still a need there some way. So I would really encourage people um, to know that, you know, it's really about you. It's really about you doing the right thing. So you started this initiative this year, correct? I did. Mm -hmm. So what made you step out in faith and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start this and I'm going to make sure that every woman and girl in Wake County that are homeless are in need, have their everyday essentials. What made you start to do this? Yeah, great question. So um, I have been wanting to lead a nonprofit organization for years. Um, and I think, honestly speaking, what really pushed me was um, I had a lot of classmates who passed from COVID-19. Um, I'm only 29 years old. Um, a lot of my high school classmates, um, you know, were women, um, you know, and they lost their lives. And mm -hmm. I think for me, it was life is really short. And I know this is going to be some hard work. I know that this is going to require a lot of time and sacrifice. But I want to leave this world one day knowing that I did what it is that I wanted to do. And I think more so from a community standpoint, um, you know, again, the perplexities of people were already there before the pandemic. And I think what really did it for me was um, I was actually working with a young lady who I helped her find housing. And um, I, I went to go do a wellness check one day. And while she had found housing and we was excited about an apartment, um, she didn't have any deodorant. She didn't have any toothpaste. She had nothing but mm -hmm. the clothes on her back. She didn't have a suitcase full of clothes, anything. She was just grateful for somewhere to live. And I think in those moments were the moments where I said, 
why doesn't Wake County have something like this already? Um, why why doesn't you know my my county, my community, my state? Why don't we have these things that are sustainable over time? Um, and as a social worker, we're trained that there is no such thing as no. There is no such thing as not having resources. If you cannot find the resource, you create the resource. I love that. If you can't find the resource, you create it. That's so awesome. Now, do you think if you had not been a social worker that you still would have created this um, initiative? I definitely think yes. Um, you know, I've always kind of had, um, you know, again, that that compassion for women. I think even being bullied, um, I always ask myself, you know, what what was kind of happening with those people um, that they felt the need, um, you know, to condemn or be upset or, you know, cause harm to other people. So I've always been interested in um, helping broken women, um, you know, become healed. I love that. Broken women become healed. Yeah. Now, take us through the steps of you starting. Like, when did the, the idea come to your mind and then how you went about? Because I know there's a lot of people that say they want to start a nonprofit, but yeah. there's so many steps in red tape to go through. So take us through that. Yeah. So starting a nonprofit is very, very hard. I am not going to sugarcoat that. <laughs> um, so I think just initially, um, you know, I became friends with Maggie Kane um, over at um, a place at the table, um, which is Raleigh's um, first pay what you can cafe. And for me, I think it was more to more so about mentorship. Um, a lot of my guidance came from women who were already kind of prominent in the community, um, who already kind of have foundational um, nonprofits that are very successful. And I think the first step for me was figuring out who do I want to serve and how do I want to serve them? Um, I don't just want to help people. I want to serve them. Hmm. Um, and so that was the first step. I think the second step was, you know, you have to have a board of directors, right? And, you know, board of directors of any board are not paid. It is volunteer work and really trying to share the story and get people who not just want to volunteer, but people who resonate with the mission. Um, and I think that is so prevalent in the nonprofit world because you want to have people who connect with your story, who have personal or professional or or, or they can resonate in some way. Um, and I think the, the third the, the third step is getting out in the community and collaborating, partnering with people. Um, I think the more that I was able to um, network and expand the networks that I already had, um, the pieces kind of came together with the puzzle and, and they're still coming together. <laughs> they're still coming together. But honestly, you know, it's all about um, networking and partnering with people and that there is no competition in nonprofits. All of us have um, different missions, but the goal is the same. And that is to leave this place, um, you know, better than how we found it. I love that. You said there's no competition with nonprofits because a lot of places they're they're in competition with each other. Yeah. You can't get that. You can't go there. You have to go there, you know, and all this. And I will have to say, full disclosure, one of your board members actually connected us, Erica, yes. who was on the Restored for Moms um, chat. 
And so I was so excited when she reached out to me because I'm all about trying to give back to the community and raising awareness um, things that are happening in the community as well. So I'm so thankful that she connected us. Absolutely. Me too. Erica's phenomenal. Shout out to Erica. Yeah, shout out to Erica. <laughs> now going forward, how would you like what would you like to see the initiative like 10 years from now? Yeah, so you know, um, so three years from now, we actually would love to open our doors um to women and girls. So we wanna be right in the heart of downtown Raleigh. We wanna be um, you know, close to shelters and we want to be close to, um, you know, the homeless population. We want women and girls. So right now we actually provide only a three month supply of everyday essentials. We want women and girls to come in and to shop and that we want them to get a whole year um, worth of everyday essentials. We want women and girls to come off the street, walk in, meet with the case manager get connected to some of our community partners. Um, and that that's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. Um, eventually, we want to grow. We want to grow um, in multiple counties um, to make sure that ultimately no woman and no girl in North Carolina um, goes without what she needs to survive. Because the reality is that this also impacts school, right? I can't tell you mm -hmm. how many times um, girls don't come to school because they don't have sanitary napkins. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to be embarrassed. Um, and so while we talk about this, I don't think sometimes people connect the dots that, hey, this is not something that's just happening globally. This is happening in my back door. This is happening at, you know, my, my children's school. This is happening, you know, right across the street. So that's who we want to be. We want to open our doors um, to further expand um, our mission. So you talked about a case manager. What exactly would the case manager do? Sure. So great question. So um, the case manager would make sure that um, the woman or girl is connected to an integrated array of services. So we want to make sure she um, is connected to our community partners. We want to make sure that she has housing. We want to make sure that she's getting mental health services. Uh, we want to make sure that she has um, clothes. We want to make sure that she has food. Um, so the case manager would be providing kind of a holistic um, approach um, for every woman and girl who came into our doors. So basically, you're not just right now. You're focusing on the everyday essentials, but toward the toward once you start growing, you want to focus on everything that encompasses their life. Yeah, you know, we don't. We certainly don't want to. You know, hey, you just get a referral and go on, right? We we mm -hmm. want to see women and girls truly survive their situation. So we don't want them to just keep coming back, you know, over every, every year, over and over again. But eventually, I guess you could say, we, we want them to kind of graduate from us. We want them to, you know, create some sustainability um, and some independence on their own so that they can go out, that they can live a, you know, life worth uh, of dignity um, and that they can get what they need to survive ultimately. And ultimately maybe come back and volunteer to help other women absolutely and that that is a part of you know um our mission you know we we live this out through hope essentials and education and um a part of our hope model is listening to the stories of women and girls who have survived um and i think ultimately having them to come back having them to share saying hey i was there i was 
I hit rock bottom, but because of this program, because of the community, I was able to come out of this situation on top. Um, education is also a part of what we do um, in our referrals um, to women and girls. Um, we also provide on-the-go hygiene guides, and this is um, really an opportunity for women and girls to say, hey, how do I take care of myself? Uh, while I'm on the go? How, how do I stay clean? How do I stay fresh? Um, because a lot of adults and women don't know how to apply sanitary napkins. They don't know, um, you know, how or, how or what they should, they should be doing during that time of the month. Um, so I, we want to further educate not just women and girls, but also the community. I can't tell you how many times I have been in rooms and people do not know that you cannot purchase everyday essentials with WIC. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't know that. Wow. Now being, I've got to tell you, being from a small town in Eastern North Carolina too, because I'm from a small town called Richlands, which is yeah. right in Jacksonville. So what does that mean being from a small town and going to a bigger town like Raleigh, Wake County and and helping, does that just, because you saw the way people grew up in rural areas, is that the reason why you want to help out so much? Yeah, so, you know, Nashville, um, you know, is right, um, probably about five, 10 minutes from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. <laughs> and if you know anything about Rocky Mount, um, North Carolina, there is significant poverty. Um, <laughs> there's intergenerational poverty. There's the employment there is low. Um, and every time I go back home, I actually went to Rocky Mountain a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I am just floored um, at the conditions of a lot of my classmates, a lot of um, just the neighborhoods. And I'm like, who do I need to talk to? What's going on? What's happening? Um, and when my husband and I got married and we moved to Wake County, um, I was seeing the same things. Um, I was seeing some of the same things like, hey, why is this out of town? You know, what what's what's going on with the, the funding of the city of, of, you know, what's what's happening? Because people are hurting and people need help. Um, so I felt like, you know, if I can't, you know, make a, a, a big, big change, <laughs> I can make I can start off with making small change. Yeah. And so let's talk about COVID and how COVID has impacted the homeless, because a lot more people, like you said earlier, are homeless now because yeah. they're um, even though the landlords aren't supposed to evict them, they're evicting them anyways because they can't pay rent. Absolutely. Um, you know, COVID and people experiencing homelessness is a whole <laughs> it's a whole thing um, all the way from access to getting tested, access to getting vaccinated, um, education, knowing about it, um, you know, affordability with medication, um, PPE. Um, it, it, it's so unfortunate of the inequities um, that are happening with our um, population who, who are homeless. Um, I, I think a no, more particularly a population that a lot of people um, know about, but they don't know that it, it is very large in Wake County is um, our homeless population who are in campgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, in Wake County, that is a huge 
um, component of our homelessness uh, percentages. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been to, you know, campgrounds um, for wellness checks and it's a whole community. <laughs> it's a whole, it's like a, a little town. Um, and so when we talk about COVID, when we talk about, um, you know, even middle-class families who are now mm -hmm. homeless, um, I, I can't say enough, homelessness right now in 2021 has a different um, perception. So how do you identify the, the women and girls that are homeless? Because obviously they're not on anybody's roster or, any, or you know, list or things. So do you go into these, like these encampments and say, okay, you need this, you need this, or how, how are you going to get all the supplies to them besides them coming to you? Yeah. So what happens, um, and this is why we partner with community agencies. So what happens is, um, You're still muted. Manager, um, a social worker or a outreach worker um, comes to pick up the referral and then they distribute um, the referral. So basically they have to have some kind of paperwork already. There's no way to identify if if they don't have a paperwork in the system, there's no way to identify it then. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we are not too concerned um, about we're we're more concerned about just do you meet the criteria right so it's if you don't have a permanent address you're able to get what you need for 90 days um, we don't go into detail about income verification we don't go into income about are you documented you know we literally are saying do you have a permanent address or are you in a crisis right because you can have a permanent address and still be in crisis um, so we really focus on those two components. Now there's other things that you have on your list besides the everyday essentials that you want to give out to people. So tell me some of the more things that people can donate, because one of the things just I, took my heart when you said Bible. So I know there's other things on there too. So, yeah. So, um, at the no woman, no girl initiative, we believe that Bibles are essential. Um, we believe that, um, you know, th this really came about, um, my husband and I bought a house um, last year and I found all of these Bibles um, that I had from since I was a little girl. And I said to myself, how powerful would it be if these Bibles weren't just sitting here collecting dust, but that I was able to donate them and give it to a woman or girl who has hit rock bottom. And while we know that, you know, people have different um, beliefs, we know that, you know, that we have the Jewish community, we have the Catholic community, we have, um, you know, people who don't believe at all, which is, which is okay. We know that we're not going to reach every woman or girl um, that we serve, but if we could reach one, um, you know, we, that, that is, you know, kind of our mission. And, um, when I founded this organization, I wanted to make sure that we were clear that we weren't a faith-based, um, organization, but that we were just people on mission. Um, and that's just to simply share hope that if a woman or girl wants to pray, Hey, we, we are right here with you. And if you're not, that's totally fine. We still love you. We're still going to give you what you need. It sounds like a lot. This is a lot like the mission that my friend Joanna is um, on in Philadelphia is that they go out and they feed once a month. I mean, once a week, they go to the inner city and Philly and they feed, you know, the people, the addicts and things like that. But most people, it's like, 
oh, you have to listen to the sermon or you have to do this. But they're like, no, we just love on you and we just give you sandwiches. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we never we never come to women and girls with a faith conversation, right? Um, you know, as a social worker, you know, I, I never come in a, in a conversation with, you know, let me tell you about Jesus today, right? But if it comes up and if there are parents or if there are students who, you know, mention their faith or, you know, if they say, hey, you know, can you pray with me? Um, there, there are lines that can be blurred. Um, but, you know, in the nonprofit world, we know that there are women who are lost. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we have some good news to share with them. Uh, so what other things besides Bibles and the everyday essentials are you looking for as well? Yeah. So the other thing that we kind of deem as essential is um, bus passes. Um, so if a woman or girl is, um, this is just research, if a woman or girl um, is experiencing homelessness to any degree or is, is going through any form of crisis, nine times out of ten, she's, she's probably not going to have a car. Um, so we actually collect bus passes because um, there, there's a story on our page about a young lady named Diamond who shared her story about she was a teen mom. And, you know, there was some days where she just didn't have the bus fare. She was she was struggling, trying to scrape up two dollars and 50 cent one way um, Monday through Friday to get herself and her daughter um, to child care. And so right now, because of COVID, you know, go Raleigh, um, the buses are free, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But we know <laughs> that there's coming there's going to come a day when bus fare is going to go back up. And we want to help eliminate that barrier that if a woman or girl is trying to be employed, if she has doctor's appointments, wherever it is that she needs to go, we want to make sure that we fill in the gap and give her that bus pass. Now, you keep saying women in crisis. Let's talk about that, because I know a lot of people are like, well, what's that mean? So yeah. Let's talk about that. yeah. So um, crises as well as homelessness. Um, there's not an exhaustive list, right? There's no way in the world we can we can put um, some of these perplexed situations in a box. So just a couple examples of a woman in crisis could be um, domestic violence. You know, she she might be living in a multi-million dollar house and she might say, you know what, I'm going to interact today. You know what, I'm going to go to the domestic violence shelter. She is in crisis. Um, another example is that I see a lot is uh, more so in the Hispanic and Latinx community where, you know, the father is um, deported and mm -hmm. the mother, you know, may be left with the children. Um, that is a crisis. Um, a girl who has an emergency foster care placement um, who has been taken away, DSS has taken custody. Um, and, you know, she's left the house with just her clothes on her back. That is um, a crisis. Um, incarceration, juveniles um, transitioning out of jail, maybe not having anywhere to go. Parents kick them out. That is a crisis. Wow. Yeah. So how can people once again donate for you guys? <laughs> Absolutely. So tomorrow we are posting uh, on our website. Um, so the first way is the in-kind donations, um, which is um, at our address, um, 5808 Departure Drive um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. We will be there um, Saturday from 10 to 1. 
And every other day, you can come drop off essentials from 10 a.m. to 4 o'clock every day. Um, the second way that you can give is monetarily through um, cash donations online. And then you're also teaming up with the Place at a Table on Saturday, correct? Yes! <laughs> Talk a little bit about that for people that maybe are local to the Raleigh-Wake County area that are, could drop off. Yeah, so um, Carol's Kitchen um, is donating um, breakfast bites um, for, you know, people who come out and want to celebrate our kickoff. And Carol's Kitchen, um, you know, has a similar makeup of supporting women, um, but they focus more um, on um, employment and giving women second chances. Um, and so everything that is cooked, everything that is made um, is from a woman who has survived, uh, whether it's homelessness or they're in crisis as well. So we're looking forward and we're excited for our partnership with them. Okay, so tell people where they can find your website at. I know I got it on the screen, but absolutely. Um, so my website is www.nowomannogirl.com. Um, our Instagram is at no woman no girl, um, and our Facebook is the No Woman No Girl Initiative. Okay, so one last thing before we hop off: Is there any one last thing that? you want to tell people no i think i think you know we we definitely covered everything you know i think one thing that i would encourage um people is that um i know that we are small now and i know that we are you know getting our story out but every successful nonprofit, like um compassion or you know some of these really big um you know feeding america um you know, the the um, Eastern Food Bank, um, everybody started small and everybody had a dream. And I just want to encourage everyone who's listening that um, this is a dream. And um, we have some really good people we're partnering with. We have some really good people on our board. And we're going to make this happen one way or the <laughs> one way or the other so um i know it's small now and you know it's kind of hard to get people to buy in um you know growing nonprofits off the ground but um fortunately me and my team are in a situation where the community is responding a lot faster um than we are um i get phone calls emails all the time they're like hey you know how you know i we we need some help you know how can you know how can we get these referrals um so we're we're really excited and i appreciate you for you know sharing your platform with me and no donation is too small correct correct <laughs> i mean if they just want to drop off a thing of soap it's fine you'll take it right absolutely if you want to go to costco and <laughs> you know get however much you want um there will be an in-kind donation receipt so um there's just a qr code when you drive up um you can scan it on your phone if you have an iphone you can just take a picture it'll pull right up you fill out your um donation receipt and you have it for your records that brings me to another thing with covid how much if people are scared to kind of donate drop by and donate is there a, is it covid friendly yeah absolutely so um it's a con contactless drop-off. Um, so, you know, um, it's simply, you know, you going, um, you know, dropping off the donation and driving off. <laughs> so you don't interact with anybody, um, anything like that. 
Okay, Trinetta, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing about the No Woman, No Girl initiative. And I wish you the best of luck. And I can't wait for it to go on the website tomorrow because I'm not in Wake County. I'm in Goldsboro. You know where yeah. Goldsboro is. So, but I will be donating a donation for you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, again, I'm really excited to, I'm actually excited to watch this back. <laughs> <laughs> so guys we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin bye bye wow i really hope that you consider thinking about giving back to um, the no woman no girl initiative i will put it in the show notes the website where you can actually look and see what the in-kind donation if you are local to the north carolina area especially raleigh durham wake county area please consider giving back this is such a great opportunity to you know when you go back when you go out and buy stuff think about all the samples that you have as well that you can get in the mail or every time you go to a hotel and you're like oh let me just take the soaps or let me just take the shampoo even if you don't use them um that's just a way of giving back um i want to thank you so much for being part of the podcast family um, i would love if you'd leave a rating or review or subscribe if you go over to youtube you'll see this um live over on youtube and also if you want to check out the podcast with Erica Berger, who we talk about in the show, it's um, podcast number 119. It's not on her, her name's not in it. That's the reason why I wanted to tell you it's episode 119. And it's talking about chatting with the women from Restored about the importance of being part of the community. So as you see, Erica practices what she preaches. So Please consider giving back, if not to this organization, to another organization in your community. It's very important that we give back to our community. I want to thank you so much once again for being part of the podcast family. And be blessed. And remember, keep chatting. <laughs>